Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and the turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver, and I have questions. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist. Absolutely no answers for you, Ben, your mechanic. It's the long skinny pedal on the right, drivers. Let's get going. Today's quote is from Dan Levy. Had I not had the love to give me a sense of security, I don't know if I would have found my way out of the closet. Support, encouragement, and love. Three relatively simple acts of kindness that can change the course of a person's life. Great quote, Kim. Great quote, Dan Levy. We hope you all enjoyed last week's guest episode with Brielle. This week, we're moving on from self-identifying and language and talking about the visibility and representation of marginalized communities in the public eye. Let's start off with the difference between presence versus representation. Kim, what do you mean by that? So if you think about the TV shows, the movies, what we see out there in popular media, you can see a lot of characters that fit the marginalized communities. There are a lot of people of color, there are queer community individuals that are being presented. They're there. The story of them isn't always there. Presence is defined as the visibility of an identity, existing, that kind of thing. Representation is the action of speaking or acting on behalf of someone or the state of being so represented. That one's directly from Webster. So if you think about that, there are some popular medias that are very, it's an inserted gay character. Here's our token gay character. And therefore we're representing this. I'm sorry, we're not representing. It's a visible character. Whereas with representation, you're seeing the actual story unfold. So our quote, Dan Levy, a show that he wrote called Shit's Creek, which is S-C-H-I-T for the record. Not I'm sure that's going to help show. Apple not flag our podcast. Wrote a show, Shit's Creek, and the characters develop and you learn about their identities and their sexualities and all of the more nuanced and complex things that fit into the story of queer folks. And that's representation. I am actually, now I'm trying to think of an example where the character in the media is not central and like their story isn't really told. They're just there for comedic relief or as a best friend or a some other like side part of the story. That would be yeah. Yeah. Uh, presence, but not really representation. Or people who backpedal and label characters as being queer, even though they're not really presented that way in the initial story. But yeah, so that type of thing of there's a side character and it's, oh, hey, this person's gay. Yeah, we're now an inclusive TV show. Or I'm an inclusive book because P.S. this character that I didn't actually give any depth to is gay now. Surprise. It's kind of interesting. In order to get to shows that had someone who is in the LGBTQ world. I went back to the 80s and all in the family had it. So Archie's friend, Steve, was an ex-football player and also gay. But it's a side story. It's just coming out of the closet is all that was happening at that point. 
So that would be a good example of presence or maybe visibility, right. but not necessarily representation. Yep. Yeah, it's a very nuanced thing. According to Nielsen's report, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people make up about 4.5% of the U.S. population and were 6.7% of the top reoccurring cast members in the top 300 programs on broadcast. This is from 2019. Which is really cool. It yeah, means, I was going to say that's actually pretty good then. Yeah. It's, sure. So the question is, did Nielsen say that there's 4.5% of the U.S. population or is that from a separate I highlighted deal? it blue. If it any of the drivers NBC out News. there are like researcher statisticians and they want to volunteer to help out with the show, <laughs> the three of us are not very good at... Because <laughs> Nielsen doesn't generally do population statistics. What they do is analysis of all of the television broadcasting stuff. We had a Nielsen box in college for a bit because you get free TV. Yep. They'll pay for your like TV bills in exchange for knowing everything that you watch. Interesting. The 4.5% comes from the Gallup estimate. Another famous poll. Okay. There you go. So that's where that number came from. Regardless, representation and visibility is increasing, which is really awesome for the queer community. Being seen and, and being heard. able to... yeah. But being able to see the stories and hear the stories that you're living is really important. I had a client in my office recently, and we were talking about witnessing older adults who come out as LGBT and how empowering it is to know that there are adults who know this story. And just, it's nice. This is a young kid, and it's like, mind blown that there are these adults, these senior citizens even, who are like, yeah, I'm gay and it's been wonderful living with my partner for the past 36 years. So that being said, there are still some struggles that we're running into with representation and visibility, typically around the intersectionality of it. So if you're looking at Black, Indigenous, people of color, that group, there's less queer and LGBT stories that also include people of color. It's a very whitewashed world out there in popular media at the moment, which is frustrating and recognizing that intersectionality is important. What about the intersection of having, say, a gay character with a storyline in a TV show versus having that character be acted by a gay actor? Because that's like another layer of it. You may be telling the story and maybe even telling the story well, but is it serving the community if the person playing the role is not actually the things that they are playing? Yeah, um, that is important. There's also so many nuances to that because they might not be out of the closet yet, yep. but playing a gay character or an LGBT character is quote, quote, easy for them because they live that narrative but they're not out to the media or the public. And yeah, it's the how truthfully are you telling this story? And you run into that with all sorts of marginalized or underrepresented communities having whitewashing across media. All right. So now can you give me some examples of shows that maybe our listeners might want to go check out? Heck yeah, there are a good amount, and this is not an all-inclusive list. But these are some of my, my favorites, and 
easy things to describe and dig through. I mentioned Schitt's Creek earlier, Dan Levy again being the creator of that. And he does an amazing job with representing and creating language around the developing language of the LGBT queer community. He also does a beautiful job writing about pansexuality. He has a quote of, I like the wine, not the label. And that has been really good for explaining pansexuality to people, especially in my therapy office, working with individuals who maybe are not fully understanding of all of the different nuances of the language. Uh, so, so that we're doing representation examples, right? Yes. And some of them have grown into being representation. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I, I was just differentiating. So before we were talking about presence that they showed up on the show, and now we're talking about they're an integral part of telling the overall story of the show. Yeah, yes. we defined those two things right. to point out the difference between them and talked about the trend towards better and more representation of not just the queer community, but other communities as well, marginalized communities in general. Sure. And now we're just talking about some good examples of yeah. representation. Yes, that's what I was yep. going for. He was clarifying. Another show, which is absolutely wonderful, I personally really love it, is One Day at a Time. Uh, the and modern it, version. Yes, sorry. The modern version of One Day at a Time. And they do a really good job of normalizing the queer culture within the Latinx community. And even talking about the family challenges of when someone comes out, how does the family respond? And with this particular character development, how does a Latin family respond? Because that nuance is even different. And we can get into that on a different episode. Because Intersectionality. That, yeah. And Rita Moreno. Yes. How can you not love her? Yes. She plays the grandma in this one. And she is so sassy. Absolutely delightful as she has been her entire life. The show itself is a little bit campy, but I personally love it. Sex Education is another show that came out. It's been praised for genuine diversity among its cast. As Ben, you were mentioning earlier, it features gay, bisexual, asexual, pansexual characters. And a lot of them are people of color. And pretty much no character has the same story as another. So it's really expansive and explores so many different parts of the LGBT community. And it's just, I really like the way they did that. I just wanted to real quick say, I haven't watched the last two you talked about, but I have seen Schitt's Creek. And another thing that it does well that's relevant to this conversation is it talks around wealth and class a lot. Mm. In an interesting way. That's true. And in a way, especially in the first few episodes and even the first season of the show, that feels very painful and on the nose. It's extremely, it's stereotypical. It's playing into stereotypes. But what it does is if you stick with it, all of the characters get developed into these fascinating, unique people. And everyone has a story that's worth knowing. And they all get to know each other and they all have flaws and they all have skills and value. And it really, again, representation, like people's stories and not just looking at the surface level, the stereotypes, although it starts there. And again, like it's a little tough to get through the first few episodes, yeah. but it is worth it in my opinion. And that's just another example of intersectionality. Sort of intersectionality. Yeah. Dealing with differences of wealth and class and also gender and sexuality and everything. Yeah. This is a low key dig it at Papa to make sure he keeps watching. Well, I oh, went did you and got start a couple of paddles so that we could get into Shit's Creek. 
because my canoe wasn't going anywhere without him. Did you watch a couple episodes? Mama started it at least, yeah. And then you quit or are you still watching it? When Mama pulls it up, I'll watch it, but it's not one I go to. Okay. We'll it's not there. my it's not my style of humor. It's not my style of t- storytelling. Anyway, sorry, back that, on, that's not that's different. Yeah, pulling us back. Modern Family is another show that has become inclusive and does a pretty good job exploring the narrative of LGBT queer individuals. I personally haven't seen that show. Really? I've seen like a couple of random episodes of it, but I've never watched it all the way through. I've not watched it all the way through, but that's been around for a while too. Yeah. That's an earlier example, at least than Shit's Creek. I don't know about the other. Yeah, it's earlier than the other two as well. Pose is a show that came out on Netflix. I don't know if it's a Netflix original, but it is about transgender individuals and has a transgender cast. So Ben, speaking to what you talked about earlier, several individuals on the show are transgender and they're representing these characters that have really complex relationships and the way that transgender individuals get used in society, like it's really deep. I was not prepared to cry and then I watched the show and I cried and it was just, I was a hot mess for a minute. I think it's really interesting that they go into the history. They were called balls. A lot of people call them drag shows now, but that type of thing, it's the history of that and the development and the creativity. It's largely a people of color cast as well. Uh, I really enjoyed it again, highly suggest. Another show is Glee. A lot of people are pretty familiar with that. If you're not, it's a bunch of high school kids singing. (laughs) And they championed diversity, LGBT, a bunch of different representation. A lot of that before it really became buzzwords and like super popular to be trying to be inclusive. They do slip into a lot of very stereotypical stories. And so looking back, you're kind of like, that is just like visibility with how you're expecting a gay character to act. I wonder if some of that is the transition from, what was the word? Visibility? Or presence. The transition from presence to representation. That since Glee is again an earlier example of having more presence and representation in popular media that it's relying on some stereotypes, which has its own problems, but it's also making progress in the right direction. And it's paving the way for shows like Modern Family and Schitt's Creek to have much better, deeper stories that aren't stereotypical, that inform and teach the viewer about different people's experiences. Yeah. So I never watched Glee, but am I correct in remembering that there was a big controversy over the character that was in a wheelchair being played by a neurotypical individual who did not need a wheelchair? I don't know. I know there was definitely some controversy about Glee at some point. There were a lot of different controversies about Glee. And yet I think you maybe could make the same argument for something like Will and Grace, or or you have friends on here too. There's a lot of like stereotypical... And when you're dealing, too, with comedy TV and relying on stereotypes, it it can get really problematic really fast. Yeah. Uh, Well, and you transitioned into Friends, and so there's credit for it being the first lesbian wedding on US TV and a same-sex parent family, which is really cool. The down, not downfall, but a side part of that is Carol, that character, remains pretty much Ross's lesbian ex-wife. 
and the mother of his child. And they don't really, after all of that, she just becomes this side note. And it's interesting. Ross treats her wife, Susan, really poorly. And the narrative there is that Carol's choice to become lesbian is a personal attack against Ross. There were a lot of really homophobic jokes, which again, very cringy. Apparently someone put a video compilation together and it ended up being 50 minutes worth of homophobic jokes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then Joey, one of the characters, has pretty much all of his jokes are fetishizing lesbians. So Friends is that visibility with no actual true storytelling about. So that's a good example of the presence versus representation. Yeah. Where the characters are there and then are fetishes or the brunt of jokes or just you chose to be a lesbian just to spite me type of things. Right. Um, And it's a good reminder that there's nuance. It's possible to like a piece of media and also not agree with everything it's doing. And there's progress. mm -hmm. We probably wouldn't have some of the earlier shows we talked about if we didn't have Friends or Glee, even if not everything they did was great. I don't know. That's a tough one. And you also want to throw in there a movie, because I watched it the other night, School of Rock in which Jack Black's character just seamlessly accepts the diversity of the characters that of the children. There's one guy, one young boy who's, I don't want to do X, Y, or Z. I want to do the fashion. And he's like, cool, awesome. Here, do that. There's a Black character who's a little overweight and she's very anxious to sing. And he's like, dude, do you see my body? We got this. Just go out there. They'll be more impressed with your voice. And he's just so accepting of the different characters that are presented to him throughout all of this. So not necessarily directly LGBT, but that inclusiveness that is so important in representation of diverse and underrepresented crowds. These shows, these movies continue to help pave the way for LGBT representation. There's still things missing and that will continue to develop over time. As you were saying, Ben, these are the start of it and it will continue to grow from here. And I think it's really important that we keep advocating for that and people keep stepping up to the plate. All right. So we've spent a fair bit of time talking about fictional stories. What about some real life stories in the public eye? Famous people who are representing the LGBTQ community? Papa, I've been talking a lot. Do you want to? Yeah, but you're so excited about this topic. Yeah, you wrote this. Own it. I can do the list. That's fine. He's just going to read the list, though. You probably know stuff about these. I do. I know some about some of these people, but you can come in for some. So Elliot Page formerly Ellen Page, who did a a slew of incredible movies and TV episodes. He's an actor. Neil Patrick Harris, also an actor. Laverne Cox, I don't know so much, Kim. Who's that? You do know Laverne Cox. We talked about Laverne Cox a couple episodes ago. Yeah, you gave me a quote from Laverne Cox. Yeah, but I don't actually know her work. I did find a quote Uh, from her. So she was from Orange is the New Black. She That was her breakout thing. She has done, I'm trying to make sure I'm not misgendering her. Yeah, she uses she, her. So she's done a ton of other stuff since then uh, and is now a huge advocate for the queer community. She was in Law and Order Special Victims Unit. 
<laughs> I think go. everyone has been in that. Bored to death, musical chairs. Most people know her from Orange is the New Black. And then she really stepped up and started doing a lot of talks and interviews and stuff like that. She has stuff printed in Salon, the Huffington Post, Business Insider. That's what that's <laughs> called. Oh, let's see. She's really cool. She has a bajillion honors and awards. That's wonderful. We also have Miley Cyrus, uh, a musician, and Lady Gaga, who's actually, her story of being bullied as a kid, and she overcame a lot of stuff, proved her brilliance. Um, pretty amazing person. A lot of grit. Kristen Stewart, uh, Jason Collins, Matt Bomer, and then we got some athletes. Actually, I've talked about a couple athletes already, but Megan Rapinoe and Rashida Ellis, boxing the part that was important to me about this whole list were these next ones where representation has a couple of different levels to it. So Sarah McBride, who will be the highest ranking trans legislator in the country as she serves as Delaware's first transgender state senator. That's pretty cool because they're going to yeah. Sarah will be able to influence laws and all the rest of that stuff. We know here in North Carolina, there's difficulty here. Richie Torres is one of the first gay black men to serve in Congress and the first gay Afro-Latino person to serve in Congress. That's pretty good. Mondaire Jones, he's gay, black man, and in the U.S. House of Representatives. Came after Richie, I believe. And Maury Turner, who won the race in the House District and will break barriers in Oklahoma's State House as the first Muslim in Oklahoma legislature and the first non-binary legislature in America. So those are breakthrough moments of really bringing the voice to the table where the decisions are made. Yeah. Kim, you got anything else you want to wrap us up with in this episode or... I think we got it. We have it pretty good. I really, the underline of this entire episode is the representation. And I think for me, witnessing young individuals who are exploring their identity and grappling with what does it mean and being bullied or being rejected by family members and seeing these people and seeing these stories, it's just so important. Even in my own life, I went to the Durham LGBT Center for a game night. This was back in 2018, 2019, pre-COVID. And I went and I was the youngest one there. And I and by youngest, I was solidly 20, 25 years younger than the next oldest person. So everyone here was in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And that was so unique to me to witness this community of adults and older adults who are part of this queer community. We see a lot of the younger stories because people um, who are in younger generations are feeling more comfortable exploring and challenging their identity. And for adults and older adults and senior citizens, that's not been the option and it's, in my opinion, beautiful to see these people embracing who they truly are as they're seeing their stories represented elsewhere in the world. Very nice. We hope you enjoyed this conversation on visibility, presence, and representation of the LGBTQ plus community in popular media. It's been really neat to see progress not only in media, but in celebrities, politicians, and more. Join us next week for our final episode about the LGBTQ plus community, and until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think. 
So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Thank you.